This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Hi, Universe. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 267. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Steph. This is Ian. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of February 3rd through February 16th. We have a total of two books, as usual, to cover. And this time around, we have a little bit of news and a little bit of other stuff, discussion points and such... So we're going to jump straight into the news because, like I said, there's some stuff to talk about. So, February 13th, first thing we've got is that DC announced the Year of the Villain, and it will launch with a special comic on May 1st. This is continuing their new form of promotion that started last year, rather than releasing a major comic book as part of free comic book day that hints at an event or story coming up. We already know that the offerings for DC will include two special Issues giving fans a glimpse of upcoming titles from DC Inc. and DC Zoom. However, that doesn't mean they're going to miss out on a pr- on an opportunity to promote an upcoming event. Released on May 1st, the Wednesday prior to Free Comic Book Day, which is on May 4th, DC's Year of the Villain will be a one-shot featuring original stories from, J- from Scott Snyder and James Tynan as well as Brian Michael Bendis. Stories featured will give hints at events that will occur in the summer and fall of this year. Similar to last year's DC Nation number zero, the issue will cost exactly 25 cents. There will also be a number of variant covers planned in addition to the main cover by Greg Capullo. One of the variant covers worth noting for the Batman Universe is the cover by Jim Chung, which will feature the Batman Who Laughs. And you can see that cover over on the website right now. Um, also, there's some story details that DC shared. Um, just quickly glancing through, I'm not going to go into details for everything. The Scott Snyder James Tynion story is very Just League focused. Um, it focuses on the events falling out of Just League Annual Number One and that new character Perpetua. Um, that is the main story. The Brian Michael Bendis story deals with Leviathan Rising story arc becoming more key to what's happening and uh, Superman stuff. Uh, there also says that uh, Snyder, th- this is a direct quote, Snyder continues this plague of villainy through his fan favorite character, the Batman Who Laughs. Fans should pay close attention to the current six-issue miniseries as the events of the final issue will continue to play out in this pre-free comic book day issue, leading to a master plan revealed to be to, revealed in a to-be-announced new series debuting this summer. So, 
before I get into the next quote, I want to quickly talk about this Batman Who Laughs. So we've talked about Batman Who Laughs before. That character is a character who's seemingly everywhere. Um, and to be fair, as much as I don't like him everywhere, the Batman Who Laughs miniseries has actually been really good, and I've been enjoying it a lot. But the character does seem to be overused slightly. I mean, he's got his own miniseries now, so that's fine. But before that, he was popping up in Just League, Just League Dark. He was popping up all over the place. And it's, it's it gets annoying when a character is popping up all over the place. What I'm more interested in is what could be the master plan or leading into a master plan revealed in a to-be-announced new series. Are we thinking that we're going to get another Metal series? Are we going to get something else Batman-related from Snyder? What do you guys think? So I was a little overwhelmed by metal could you give me a explain it to me like i'm five of why the batman who laughs is here and why he doesn't go away like within the universe obviously he doesn't go away because everyone loves him but well he doesn't go away in the story specifically because um they just weren't able to completely defeat him they defeated him and stopped his advances and they took out all of those other dark knights but they didn't completely take But like where did he come from and why can he just drop random Bruce Wayne's from the sky in his miniseries? He came from okay, so he came from the multiverse consists of uh fifty two Earths and then they found out that this was explained in a very strange way and 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 can be extremely difficult to explain, but so you look at a map and the map is flat and they say, Okay, so on this map there's fifty two Earths that's what there is. But they said, but what we didn't know is when you take the map and you flip it over, there's a backside, which is the dark side, the dark universe. And there's potentially 52 uh. Earths from this other world, too. And the other world is where he's from, the Batman who laughs, and he actually goes to the other Earths, cherry-picking characters to be part of his scheme. So the Dark Knights were all other versions of Batman from other dark universe world and is, are the, is that, that where sense. they're coming from in 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 the miniseries too because some of those are kind of douchey batmans too yes okay. they're, they're, they're yes they're coming from there too they're just different versions of bruce wayne some of them from i don't think any i, I i'm pretty sure they're all from that dark yeah. side of the the universe but I don't think that's ever been made completely clear because obviously, as we know from just normal continuity, other Earths as part of the new 50, or out of the 52 Earths as part of the multiverse, some of those Earths have a Batman version. It's just different, like Kingdom Come or, you know, there's there's all kinds. You know, there's the Owl Man from Earth 3, there's the Earth 2 version, which is Thomas Wayne. Like, there's there are different yeah. versions. So I think that. They are from the other version, but that's not for sure. I'm also probably the worst person to like summarize what happened <laughs> in that series because I was lost until like towards the end. It's a very confusing concept, the dark multiverse. And I think it might be Scott Snyder playing with Grant Morrison's idea because the idea of 52 worlds or, or universes is ridiculous. If there is one parallel universe, there are infinite parallel yeah, universes. Yeah. So... <laughs> Limiting it to 52 is stupid, and I think Scott Snyder is trying to give himself some room to play with in the uh, the Dark Multiverse. The problem with giving himself room to play in the Dark Multiverse is that a lot of the Bat- the Bruce Waynes that the Batman Who Laughs is bringing over aren't evil. 
So I don't see how these are supposed to be evil multiverse universes that he's pulling them from. Well, like one of them was, but most of them are normal. Yeah. But um, I was thinking that um, because in our, well, I'm not too familiar with the 52 that are hard and set and fast, but you know, I'm assuming Owl Man is one of them and he's not a good guy. So he's an evil Batman from our, (laughs) our 52. (laughs) Um, So it makes sense that there are nice Bruce Wayne's from an evil world. Maybe. I don't know. Because the, the one that was retired yeah. and married and had a tattoo, I liked him, even though he's dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is yeah. that that is almost certainly not from one of the 52 official universes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be an evil one, yeah. so I don't see how they would say it's actually part of the uh, the dark multiverse. Mm. Yeah, It just seems like a normal multiverse version. What was the original question? <laughs> Where do we see this? We going? were asking the the well. I guess yeah. I guess my my question was, what do you think is going to spin out of the Batman Who Laughs, which is what they're basically hinting at. Something is going to spin out of the Batman Who Laughs miniseries because that's what they're saying. What do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be another a sequel to Metal? Which coincidentally, there was some comments on Twitter by Scott Snyder who said that if he was going to do a Dark Knight's Metal, he would only do it if Greg Capullo was drawing it. But then I saw some people talking online about, well, that's not very likely because he's got other projects that are, you know, that he's got lined up to after he finishes uh, The Last Night on Earth, which is the Snyder, uh, uh, Snyder Capullo Black Label story that they've been talking about for almost a year now. Over well, here, I think. whatever it is, if it's not an outright metal sequel, I hope it's multiple different types of evil versions and not just the Batman who laughs straight through. Because I think that would get super old super fast. I thought most of the evil Batman were killed at the end of metal, though. Like, but there's 52. They were. Yeah, they were. But, I mean, I guess what she's saying is, like, other versions of yeah. them. Or not other versions, but other, other, worlds, other Bruce Wayne's from the other Or it doesn't worlds. even have to be Bruce Wayne's. I mean, let's get, you know, evil... Yeah, I'm a little watching. tired of all the evil guys being only Batman. Like, yeah. why don't we have evil Wonder Woman or evil Flash or evil Cyborg? I mean, yeah. I know it's because Batman sells, but it's really frustrating that they're all just Batman. Even if they're, like, combined with other heroes or villains. Okay, so the other bit of the quote that is worth mentioning is that there is a mention of... It's, it's, Are you talking about the next in case, story? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to make one comment on the whole Batman Who Last thing, apart from the multiverse. Go ahead. So, I was really hoping that Batman Who Laughs was going to be like the Black Mirror. And Scott Center on Twitter says he wants people to be able to read it like the Black Mirror, like a standalone story. But then he says, no, they're all modular parts of this huge overarching story that we're telling in this two-year event. Or is it... No, I guess it's a a one-and-a-half-year event because he says it's going to the end of 2019. um, And he started in the summer of 2018. But this just plays into my frustration of Scott Snyder that he seems unable at this point to tell a story with an ending. And I know I always say there are no endings in comics. It's going to keep going, but 
you can tell smaller stories with endings by raising a threat and then defeating the threat. And Scott Snyder keeps not defeating any threats so that he just keeps making the threat bigger, but he didn't defeat the smaller threat. And so this, this event leading into another event, leading into another event, just there's no end. And that means there's no satisfaction. And I just am really frustrated because I was hoping that I could enjoy Batman who laughs as its own story, but no, it's just another piece of a bigger story. But you say that, but Dark Knight's Metal ended with the other Dark Knights being defeated. So there was some sort of satisfaction. I mean, like, sure, Batman Who Laughs wasn't ultimately dead, but he was the continuance to keep the story going. Right, but Dark Knight's Metal led right into No Justice, which led right into the Justice League run. So it's they just keep adding threats and not really taking care of the old threats. Uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, only because the fact that, sure, Dark Knight's Metal ended and No Justice started, but I don't feel like No Justice really was that much of a spinoff of what happened in Dark Knight's Metal. There are elements that did, and there are elements that carried over, but it's not as if if you only read Dark Knight's Metal, you were left with an unconclude, uh, unconcluded story. It was It still ended, it just ended and gave hints at what could potentially come. And No Justice was the same way. Like, it ended, they defeated those trees or whatever, but then there were still, like, questions of, like, okay, what's this? And, like, they do that with movies, too. Like, they always leave stuff open-ended to potentially come back to later on. I think it makes sense, job security. (laughs) You're not wrong, and it's possible I'm just cranky with Snyder because he's frustrated me for the last seven years. That probably is more likely the case. Um, So the... so. Getting away from the Snyder stuff, um, the other part of this is that there was a comment that was left, or part of the other quote that DC released was that, in uh, this is the quote, and in case you thought the Dark Knight would be getting off easy, guess again, DC's Year of the Villain also contains clues to Batman's upcoming battle with the villains of Gotham in City of Bane, also slated to begin this summer. So, if you've been following along, and... You're unsure what City of Bane is. City of Bane is the big story that's going to be taking place around issue 75. Um, Tony Daniels is going to be drawing at least some of those issues. And this is potentially the turning point for Tom King's story. And most likely the spot where if Batman does die, he's going to die there. But it's unlikely at this point with everything we've heard and read and things like that. But it does sound at least... The way this this quote is describing it, upcoming battle with the villains of Gotham, it signs, sounds very similar to something that we've seen before. I think it was called Night Night Night's Quest. But. I'm excited about this. Uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying Tom King's run, and I think that this idea of the city of Bane is like a combination of Nightfall and uh, No Man's Land. Um, and seeing Batman face that level of threat is exciting to me. I just don't know how it's going to fit into what anyone else is doing. It'll be kind of cool if they actually have the other Bat titles deal with the fact that Bane is the ruler of Gotham. I mean, that's my theory. Maybe he'll be like a shadow ruler, but I kind of think it'd be cool if Bane was like the new mayor and he's just like the the ruler of Gotham and everyone has to deal with that. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, more or less, is just having DC, the rest of the DC universe acknowledge that the Batman title exists and stuff is happening in it, and the stuff that's happening in it. <laughs> Alright, so then, to, to basically wrap this storyline up, or to this this news, um, there was, the, now last year when the DC number, DC Nation number zero came out, it cost 25 cents in stores. I don't there was rumors at the time that the reason why it cost 25 cents instead of just being free was because of two very unrelated things. One was because there was an issue with publishing it for free comic book day, even though it's releasing the Wednesday before, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, There was also word that the issue was 25 cents because they didn't they, because it wasn't classified as one of the sponsor titles for Free Comic Book Day because they were promoting other things, and because of that, it couldn't be free. I don't know, but one way or the other, the digital version of the of this of DC Nation Number Zero last year was was actually free if you download it online. I don't know if this one's going to be free because they didn't mention digital at all. It seems like they're ignoring digital for some reason. I don't know why. But it seems like they're not... I mean, obviously... Because digital's of, not a growth market. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's that's going against every bit of common sense that any other industry's focusing on. But um, Not the book industry. The book industry's seen a growth in physical and a plateau in in ebook sales. So it actually makes a lot of sense. It makes sense. There just aren't enough tablets out there for the digital market to grow in a significant way. Well, there's, it also has to do with the fact that digital stuff is just as expensive as physical. And people have a thing about not getting something physical, but paying the same exact price. But that's a different topic for a different day. Actually a topic that I was earlier discussing with my wife. Um, but anyway, that's the gist. We're not sure if it's going to be free digitally, but if it is, we'll know before May, or we'll know when it comes out at least. So the next story is on February 15th. DC announced that in conjunction with IDW and Nickelodeon, they will be releasing a third crossover between Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, this one is going to bring James Tynion's story to an overall conclusion. Um, this is going to be his this will be he's returning he's returning with freddie williams who'll be doing art with colorist jeremy Cowell. uh kevin eastman will also be returning as an artist for the variant covers as well as pro- providing certain interior art as well um in the first two versions uh the first two volumes of this version not the and the adventure version but the other one um the uh, the turtles and Batman, the Bat family, battled the Foot Clan in Gotham, and then they went head to head with Bane in New York City. But now, in the third and potentially the final chapter, Krang has gotten his hands on the most dangerous technologies from the DC universe, and now no universe is safe from his wrath. And that's what the solicitation reads. Um, it just so happens that Batman is celebrating his 80th anniversary the same time the Turtles are celebrating their 35th anniversary. Also, this comes on heel of news, not comic book related, but why not mention it? The first volume of Tynan and Freddie Williams' Turtle-Batman crossover is actually being turned into a animated film that's going to be coming out this spring. Um, this miniseries, the, the third volume of this story, is actually going to be releasing in... 
uh, the beginning of May, so it's right around the corner. So even though I've been complaining about lack of miniseries and new stuff, there is a new series coming. And also, well, I'll, I'll bring that up in a second. But anyway, Turtles, Batman, thrilled or not? I didn't read the first two. I think I came on the podcast just as the second volume was winding down, and I tried it. I didn't get it. <laughs> are they are they good? Do you have to read them all? Do you think I'll have to read the first two to get the last one? No, definitely not. No, the second one you didn't have to read if you read the first one. It just it kind of like well they already met, and sure that happened in the first volume. But you don't have to read it. I mean, you could just assume, well, they've met somehow sure. before, and then just move on from there. I think that it's cool. I didn't... I tried the first one. I didn't read the second one. They're they're beautifully drawn. Freddie Williams is a great artist. James Tynan is a very good writer. It's just not a concept I'm that interested in. I didn't watch or read the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid, so I don't have that connection. So the mashup doesn't appeal to me. Now, if it was Captain Planet, <laughs> I'd be all over that one. I want Batman Wishbone if we're going for childhood <laughs> properties. Or, ooh, <laughs> Batman Carmen San Diego. That would actually be amazing. I want a dog Robin so bad now. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Oh, okay, well, clearly, as the only one on this podcast who watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and appreciate them, um, I actually enjoyed the first two volumes. I didn't like the adventures, but that's not part of this essential trilogy that they're they're putting out with this third volume. Um, the adventures one wasn't nearly as good, but the first two they were enjoyable. Uh, the characterization of all the characters, because Tiny has worked with the Bat family, was was pretty much dead on. The turtles, I mean, it's exactly what I would assume the turtles would be like too, um, despite the fact that. Nickelodeon recently in the beginning of well, I guess well, I guess I don't know when it happened. I thought it was happening last year, but I don't know exactly when it released. But they rebooted the turtles yet again, and they changed a ton of stuff. And now the char- the personalities of some of the turtles are oh. different. Leonardo's no longer the hero. Raphael is. Uh, it, they changed a ton of stuff. And I wasn't thrilled when I saw it, and I didn't watch it, but I did watch the previous incarnation, which ran from like 2011 to the end of 2017, and I liked that. My son liked that as well. We had a bunch of turtle action figures for a while. Um, so I mean, like, I am not opposed to turtles and Batman. I actually prefer this over a lot of the other weird crossovers they've done. Some of them have don't have a lot to do with Batman, but like the Masters of the Universe, Injustice, that was kind of like, why are we doing this? I didn't get it. It didn't make any sense to me. It just felt like, well, we need to have some characters pitted on the villain side, and Injustice just makes it work that way where you can have the characters from the DC Universe evenly split. I didn't really enjoy that series. They've, had, they've done other ones uh, like within the last couple of years, like they did Green Lantern, Planet of the Apes, they did Green Lantern, Star Trek. Um, they, they've obviously done Batman with other ones. They just did Batman Archie. They've done Batman 60, or they done, they just did Batman 66 with Archie, but they've also done Batman 66 with Green Hornets, Wonder Woman 77. They've done all kinds of different Batman 66 crossovers. Um, but as far as normal comic continuity, although this is not part of continuity, it's can you could imagine it is because it's not really like putting anything out there that's 
like other than the turtles from a different completely different universe coming in it is not like anything that's happening like they're not killing off characters or you know having like drastic measures taken like it's it's just it's a battle and you're in, you're out, you're along for the ride so i'm looking forward to it it'll be it'll be an interesting series one way or the other so i'll give it a go all right. So, real quick, before we get into our next story, I want to. This is just a, this wasn't even a news bit we had on the site. It was more of a quick thing that I just kind of stumbled across. So, we've been talking about Batman and the Outsiders for quite some time. It was originally set to launch in uh, December, and then it got held back and postponed. And Brian Edward Hill had said um, on Twitter that the reason why it happened was because they wanted to f- they wanted the series to fall more in line with the stuff happening in the DC universe and be more connected. And that's why it got held back. Whether or not that was actually the reason or DC just said they wanted to hold it back for whatever, it got held back. But for the longest time, we had no idea when it was coming because it kept not being resolicited. Randomly on an episode of DC Daily, which is the daily show that DC produces that used to be like DC All Access, but now is supposed to be for DC Universe, they randomly dropped that Batman and the Outsiders number one is actually going to be hitting stores on May 1st, which was a surprise because not only was it a surprise because it hap- the announcement came in such a weird, strange way, but nobody else picked it up and nobody else talked about it. Um, but it is apparently coming out on, on May 1st, which is great that it's coming out and I'm glad it's coming out, but seems like if that's the way we get the announcement that it's coming out and there's no buildup solicitations as you're listening to this are right around the corner they'll be coming out and it'll be part of those solicitations but there's absolutely like no hurrah announcement hooray it's coming out nothing it's just kind of like this is happening and it is just what we we have to put this out because it's it's here and that concerns me for the longevity of the series usually when a movie come is not ever announced and it comes and then it goes and they don't Producers don't want anything said about it, which is unfortunate. So hopefully that's not this. Yeah, I'm still really looking forward to Batman and the Outsiders, but this entire delay process has not been promising at all. Yep. So... The last bit of news we have comes on also on February 15th. DC released story details for Detective Comics number 1000. Um, not only have they have we been seeing like a gazillion variants, and just so everybody's no, everybody knows, last week in the Batcave uh, has returned. Jessica is back, and she's bringing the latest updates from all over the place regards to hints and uh, future at uh, future stories and art and things like that but one of the main focuses for the last two in uh, two uh i guess articles have been variant covers for detective comics because it seems like there's new ones announced all the time there's a ton of variant covers and we've seen some of those but dc decided to release a little bit more further details on what we can expect within the pages of detective comics and surprisingly well, we already knew the creative teams because they've already announced them. I'm not going to run through all the details because it's not worth mentioning every single one of these. But basically, the story names for all the stories that are written by the creative teams we've already been told about, as well as, as, well as some brief synopsis or 
if you want to even call it that, because in some cases it's like, hey, this is a popular team and they're writing a story about Batman. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever you say. Um, <laughs> but you can, re- you, if you want to check out the full list, it's on the site. The, part of the reason they did this was because they want people to be hyped about the story so that they go into their comic shop and say, hey, we want this book. Because as it turns out, this weekend, as we are recording this, was the final cutoff dates to order Detective Comics number 1000. So that would be the reason why DC would be stressing this, would be like, hey, this is happening. Now, they also released um, the story by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. They've released it in its entirety. They claimed in the press release that it was released on the website, but when you clicked on the link, it literally just took you nowhere. Um, I was able to track it down. It was it was available exclusively on Entertainment Weekly, so it's very doubtful that it's actually going to appear on DC's website anytime, anytime in the immediate future. But the entire story is available. Um, the there was also an interview with Bendis that said that while he's not writing a Batman story, or he's not going to be on any Batman books. This story has ramifications to something that's happening in an event that he's working on towards the end of the summer, early fall. So take that as you may if you want to potentially be in the loop with what's happening with Bendis and having to do with Batman and an event that is probably dealing with Leviathan Rising because that's his thing that he's you know that's coming up. That is a story you should take a look at. Also, they announced that not only will the stories be seven to nine pages on average apiece, but there will also be additional art from Mikkel Jannon and Amanda Connor, not part of a story, so there'll just be some art, um, no word on exactly what it'll be. And we also know that Jason Fabic will have his two-page spread depicting the current state of the Batman universe. That piece of art was actually released later in the day after the press release because it turns out that piece of art is also going to be the cover to the program for C2E2. So that's happening. The I'll say this. I was thrilled with the idea of getting a two-page spread that would feature the, the current state of the Bat family. Honestly, looking at it, it's okay. It's it's not I don't think it's nearly as good as like the I Am Batman poster by Tony Daniel from like 2010, early 2010. It's definitely not as good as Jason Fabic's Bat Thanksgiving poster from, what was that, 2014? Um, it's just kind of like a collage of Batman characters, which is not bad. There's a lot of characters that are featured and focused on, and there's lots of villains. But it just kind of feels like, here's characters that are part of the universe right now, and that's that's the extent of what this is. It doesn't feel like there's any rhyme or reason for it for the characters being there. It's just, who do we want to have featured in this piece of art? And here they are. Interestingly enough, Catwoman's head is the center of the image, which I found amusing, but... Yeah. I think it's weird that that's... Because she's not been in Detective Comics in any way, shape, or form, like, not even mentioned. So it's just so weird that... Well, I don't think it's necessarily meant to be what's appearing right. in just, Detective Comics. I think it's, it's meant to be that the, the entire universe. Because... There's other characters who haven't really popped up in Detective Comics that are present in the image as well. It's just weird. Well, I was really excited about this, and seeing it, I am even more excited about it. Um, And that may be because my favorite characters are included, and I was really afraid they were going to be excluded. (laughs) But I think that this is sort of DC's statement on what 
the Batman universe looks like, at least in the past year or two years, probably. Um, I'll be interested to see if they actually follow up on this and use these characters in the upcoming year, because they currently aren't using a lot of them, um, and I would like them to. Why use other villains when you have Penguin? Well, I mean, they've they've actually been using... (laughs) Let me think. They've been using Penguin. They've used Mr. Freeze. They haven't really done much with Roz recently. Um, Obviously, the Sirens have been used. And Clayface, although he's not really dead, but he's sort of off with whatever. Have they used Scarecrow recently? He's in... Well, he's in the oh, right. story right now. Um, and Riddler, I mean, he was in War of Jokes and Riddles, but I don't think he's been in present action very much. Two-Face, of course, has shown up both in Detective and in Deathstroke. No Hugo Strange. Now, that's interesting, because he's been showing up a lot. Well, also, you would think that Bane would have a little bit bigger of a position on this image rather than... I don't know, like, there's a lot of characters, like, Ra's al Ghul is very prominent in this image. Killer Croc is like, got half of his face cut off from the edge of the, the, the thing. I mean, there's certain things about it that I like, but it feels like, it just feels so... Photoshopped <sighs> is, I guess, the best way I could put it. I mean, like, literally, like, it's not even like it's a group shot. There, it, it, it's like, like someone there got are the characters stickers in the background. from Target where they get the little group stickers and yes. they just put them on tastefully, yes. but they put them on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's not. It's not that it mm-hmm. looks bad. It's just I don't know. Like I don't understand why Poison Ivy's in her outfit from the New Fifty Two because we have not seen that outfit since then. Batgirl's in her most current outfit, which is perfectly fine, and I like that costume, so I don't have a problem with it. Tim Drake's Robin has just the single R, which is fine. I guess there's certain aspects of this that are clearly saying this is happening now. But then you've got Dick Grayson as Nightwing, even though he's not Nightwing right now. So, like, how is this reflecting the current state of the Batman universe if you've got... Red Hood's completely his old costume and not his new costume. Right. And then you've got, like, Huntress prominently focused... Not prominently, but she's alongside Duke and Spoiler and, and, and Cassandra. But Huntress is not appearing in anywhere right now. Like, the last thing I think she appeared was in, uh... Was it the, uh... It was the Unexpected, unexpected, wasn't it? Yeah, the Unexpected was the last thing she appeared in. Then she was in Constantine for a couple issues, too. But that that was a while ago. I mean, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I... And I also don't understand why Lady Shiva's present. There seems like there would be other characters who could take the place of Lady Shiva. But... You know, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, I don't feel like this is the current state. I feel like this is just what you would... If you were thinking of the Batman universe, this is what you would think. And there's a couple characters that maybe the mainstream people who are unfamiliar with the comics, they would be like, oh, who's that? And then maybe that would pique their interest as to figuring out who some of these characters are. But I... I don't know. Like, I don't like that the skyline of Gotham City is behind, which looks very reminiscent of Jim Lee's skyline from Hush. But then there's the Batmobile, you know, you know, falling, not falling, but like flowing out of it. Meanwhile, 
oh man, I, the more I look at this, the more I feel there's so much wrong. And I was so looking forward to this piece of work because I wanted to make this a new print on my wall. But oh man, like Batman is oversized compared to like all of the sizes of the characters are different. So Batman's crotch is weirdly right next to Red Hood's gun. I don't understand. I don't understand it. I feel like this is just like a missed opportunity. I feel like the best thing to do would have been like a new version of the Thanksgiving print, but not obviously Thanksgiving theme, just something reflecting like, hey, here's what this character is up to. This was here's what this character is up to. Like something where you're gonna like look at it and you're be like, oh, let's find the clues because that is something that would be different. This just feels like, hey, here's some <laughs> characters on a paper. I think there's there's two reasons for, for this problem. And I, I preface this by saying I still love it. I'm super excited about this piece. I think that Fabok's only current Bratman project is um, The Three Jokers. And he does reference that um, in this piece. And Three Jokers is a black-label title. It's supposed to be in continuity, but it doesn't seem to... There's no indication on when it's going to be released, so they haven't connected it to any events. And so I think he's just more or less out of the loop on what's going on in the current Batman universe, because he's just not in projects. When he, he was the one who did the Thanksgiving piece, and he was working on Batman Eternal at the time, which was the current Batman event because Scott Snyder was doing Zero Year at the time, so everything in the main Batman title was in the past. So I think it's just that he's he's disconnected, um, which means that the editor, whoever's doing editorial on this piece, was not necessarily communicating with him. I think it also indicates that there's a high deal of uncertainty and secrecy about what's going to be happening, so they didn't want him to necessarily hint at what was going on because the Thanksgiving piece had a lot of hints about what was going to happen in Batman Eternal that you couldn't necessarily figure out until it happened but like when you read Batman Eternal you could say oh yeah there's that character and that's why they have this thing happening so I think it's a combination of too much secrecy and uncertainty in the Batman editorial office and Fabok just isn't working on any major Batman projects that are connected to what's going on right now like a bag. I would have been fine if they were just like he was doing a piece that was just featuring Batman characters. But the problem is that they phrased it as he was doing it as like reflecting the current slate of the Batman universe, and that's the issue that I have with it because it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like these are characters that are prominent in the Batman universe. These are characters that people know, and you know, in in most cases, these are the versions of the characters that we would know. But this is not a reflection of what's currently happening. That's the that's I guess ultimately why I have such a big problem with it, but maybe that's why Catwoman's face is so big. So you're distracted. Maybe. Well he said on Twitter that he made her face so big because he knows she's gonna be she's on the scene, the oh, yeah. the page turn. So he wanted to make sure that it was something that could be symmetrical. Um, and so he made her face really big, so when it's split in half symmetrically it won't be too weird and distracting and too small that you can't tell what it is. And she's also, you know, on the cusp of being a hero and a villain, so that's why she's in the middle. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, he has a reason probably for every single thing that he did on this. It's just, I just don't agree with it or like it, but that's that. Okay, 
Anyway, that is the news. As you're listening to this, solicitations are around the corner yet again, as well as the idea that, um, well, not idea, but as well as the fact that uh, last week in the Batcave is, has returned and there is new updates all the time. Uh, so be sure to check out last week in the Batcave, which we'll be posting every Monday morning Central Time. So with that being said, we're going to dive straight into our comic book reviews. And we're going to start off with Batman. Batman, number 64. Uh, This is part one of the Price crossover with The Flash. Um, It's written by Joshua Williamson and drawn by Guillaume March. It takes place between Batman number 57 and 58, so it's before all the uh, the nightmare stuff that's currently going on in the Batman title. Um, it also takes place, I think, in the middle of the Heroes in Crisis event. Batman prepares to perform an autopsy on Wally West, uh, the second main Flash, I guess, um, but cannot bring himself to do it and leaves uh, the morgue. On Oolong Island, the Justice League battles rogue Amazo robots, Batman is distracted by memories of the horrors of the Sanctuary slaughter, but still takes down at least two of the bots. Superman says that this battle represents the fifth crisis this week, and Batman and Flash both leave abruptly. At the Flash Museum in Central City, a mysterious caped figure topples statues on the crowd of Flash fans and tourists. Batman saves some of them, but again, memories of Wally assail him. Barry surprises him, then helps reassure the shaken crowd. Flash remembers the old days when Kid Flash and Robin leaped into the Batmobile together and confronts Batman before he can leave. He knows Bruce lied about Central City being on the way, meaning that Bruce knew the attack would happen. Batman reveals that Gotham Girl, Claire Clover, has begun using her powers to perform these attacks. He wants to stop her not only from hurting others, but from the death that further use of her powers will cause, just as it did her brother Hank in Batman number 5. Claire, meanwhile, has what appears to be Hank's body hooked up to a machine, promising to save him. So that was Batman. Now, if like, like Ian said earlier, this is part of the Batman-Flash crossover. Now, if you remember when we did the button, we reviewed the Flash, or we, we covered the Flash on the site, but we didn't actually review it here on the podcast or at least that's what I remember. If it was different, then it was different. But this is how we're doing it. So Ian is going to read the synopsis for The Flash as well, but we're going to specifically just be reviewing and giving a rating to the Batman issue. But we will still talk about The Flash issue in conjunction. Just the rating and review is specifically geared towards the Batman issue. But now here is The Flash issue. The Flash number 64 Part 2 of The Price Crossover, written again by Josh Williamson, art this time by Rafa Sandoval. The issue opens with the ominous title card, It's Better to Burn Out. Gotham Girl tells what appears to be her brother, the supposedly deceased Gotham, Hank Clover, about her plan to teach the Flash a lesson, but Hank begs for help. Claire looks to an unseen person holding a huge vial of some chemical, asking to be a hero with her brother again. 
She blames Batman for leaving her and says that the huge figure with red eyes was with her when everyone else left, promising that she'll be the greatest hero of all time in saving her brother. At the Flash Museum, where Gotham Girl attacked, forcing Batman and Flash to intervene, the two heroes investigate. They find a plant clue pointing them to the Caribbean, and race in the Batwing and Flash's super speed. Both still struggle with Wally's death at Sanctuary. On a remote Caribbean island, they find footprints leading to a giant castle. As they prepare to infiltrate, Flash asks about Batman's marriage, not having heard that Selina had left. Before Batman can break the news to Barry, Flash gets a call from Iris, since they plan to talk to Wallace about Wally's death together, Wallace being Kid Flash. She also tells Flash to express her anger at Batman, but Barry deflects both Batman and Iris, choosing to focus on the infiltration to avoid the confrontation. They find a room covered in pictures of superheroes, and Batman gives Flash a rundown of Gotham and Gotham Girl's history. Flash notes that Claire has an obsession similar to Reverse Flash, but Batman says Claire wanted to be a hero, not an insane villain, but he discouraged her. Flash angrily says that Batman keeps trying to decide for other people, grieving when he sees a picture Claire drew of herself in her costume as a child, and remembers Wally when he first designed his own costume. That memory triggers a question from Barry. Who designed Gotham and Gotham Girls costumes? Batman never got around to investigating the source of their powers and gear. The two continue walking, finding a chamber of cryogenic tubes containing dead copies of Gotham and Gotham Girl. Flash notices the chemicals in the tubes all originate from Venom, the steroid cocktail that gave Bane his strength. He also finds a sanctuary robot mask and demands to know if Claire went there to recover. Before Batman answers, Gotham Girl bursts through a wall of the chamber, holding a giant vial of Venom derivative, asking if it's time to team up with the heroes. Batman begs her to stop using her powers so she won't die, and she says the Super Venom keeps her going, knocking Flash over with super speed. She reveals that someone gave her resources to create partners in her heroic quest, in payment for destroying the Flash Museum. A number of Gotham and Gotham Girl copies attach, attack Flash and Batman, and Claire proclaims she'd rather burn bright and explode instead of fading away. She plans to attack Central City Police Department next, and Batman tries to convince her that Hank wouldn't have wanted what she was doing. She rejects his plea, flying off with a demented grin on her face, saying, Up, up, and away. So, this is an interesting crossover, especially if you've been reading Batman, and then you also have followed Gotham Girl in her one other appearance in... Um, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey in the Manslaughter arc. (sighs) Let's start with a simple question. If you've read The Button, how does this compare to the first couple of issues of The Button, which was also co-written by Josh Williamson and was a Flash crossover? Hmm. Well, that's tough because I don't even view these stories remotely even the same. I I, mean, I feel like this is clearly more Batman heavy because they're focusing on Gotham Girl, which is a character that's only appeared in Tom King's um, run on Batman as well as just a few other appearances, including in Birds of Prey. But, <clears throat> I mean, 
the button felt way more like a flash centric story, obviously because of the flashpoint dealing with the flashpoint stuff and Eberthon and other things related to flashpoint Batman that felt like more like a flash story. This feels more like a, well, I mean, to be fair, the first issue, the Batman issue feels more like a justice league issue. And it just so happens that Batman and flash are getting the focus. The flash issue feels very much like a Batman issue that flash is guest starring in. Um, because the focus is so, so much on Gotham girl, which is a character from the Batman universe. That being said, how do I feel between the two? It's hard to even say. I didn't really like the button that much. But the reason I didn't like the button was because I thought it was going to be more of like a whole crap moment that we were going to experience. And really, it just was like, oh, okay, ultimately, nothing really came of the button. And it kind of just kind of whimpered out and didn't become anything. I felt like the button was just like, okay, this is the only thing we got was Bruce being told by his Batman or by his father to stop being Batman if he wanted to have happiness. And that ultimately could have an effect on why Flashpoint Batman is in the current Batman stories. We'll have to wait and see. But I didn't really like the button at all. And I'm I'm thinking of it as an entire story. I can't really remember just the first two issues of the story of the four issue story arc. But I, I just don't remember. I just remember not liking it and thinking, what a waste of time. What a bunch of hype for nothing. And this, I don't feel like it was hyped. So I guess maybe because I can't be underwhelmed because I didn't think it was going to be that much to begin with. And I didn't really know what it was going to be at all. The fact that it's focusing on Gotham Girl, um, which I'm sure is going to be another topic of discussion in a moment. The fact that it's focused on Gotham Girl, well, I'm glad we're picking that storyline back up, but it's interesting that Tom King's not doing it and it's uh, and it's Joshua Williamson who's who's doing this. That's really my only thought at this point. Like just initially with the two issues is huh, interesting and I'm not underwhelmed at this point. The button seemed more connected to Doomsday Clock back when that was <laughs> supposed to be the overarching theme to all the titles. Um, when it wasn't a perpetually delayed garbage yeah, fire? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one definitely feels more connected to, obviously, to Heroes in Crisis, which I think Dustin was, was touching on, which is so weird <laughs> that the guy bringing in Tom King's Heroes in Crisis into Tom King's Batman is not Tom King. Um I like it a little better than the button in in that it seems to want to touch on the emotions of both characters. Like, it's obviously dealing with um, Barry's grief, and it's touching on Bruce's loss, both of Selena and also his failure with Gotham Girl. But it doesn't seem to go too deep with either of them. But, um, gosh, it's been a while since I read the button, but... Um, that one seemed to be more of information, I guess, rather than emotion, maybe, even though you, you are kind of meeting, um, Bruce's dad and that's always kind of a sad thing or an emotional thing when that happens, but I don't know if I actually think one is better than the other or like one better than the other, but this one 
seems to be moving story forward, so that's good. <laughs> I actually am not sure I agree that this is moving the story forward because this is riddled with continuity contradictions. Um, it was Gotham Girl who told Batman about her powers. Batman didn't tell her, don't use your powers because it'll kill you. Gotham Girl said, my powers will kill me if I keep using them. Um, in Batman number 24, which is most famous for being the proposal issue, but it's actually mostly a conversation between Batman and Gotham Girl. Mm-hmm. Batman, Gotham Girl actually asks, don't you think I should stop? And Batman sort of jokingly says, well, you should stop. It'll kill you. But he doesn't really mean it. He He's saying, live your own life. Try to be happy. Don't be me. Don't be Batman. Don't be a hero just because you think it's what you should do. Find what makes you most happy. And if it's being a hero, he gives her tools. Like he says, I'll give you training. I'll find you a person who can help you be a hero without using your power so you can live a full life. And so this Gotham girl blaming him for leaving her and then Flash saying, oh, Batman, you never let anyone make their own choices. You're always controlling other people. Yes, Batman does control other people sometimes, and it's a problem, but that's not what he did with Gotham Girl. And so this just, it strikes such a false note for anyone who's paying attention to Batman and Gotham Girl's relationship. And so it doesn't work for me on an emotional level um, in the way that uh, the button sort of did. There, there were some... There's, there's serious problems with the button. The button absolutely has dozens of it meant nothing in the long run, except maybe in introducing Flashpoint Batman into our universe. But in terms of any major revelations that mean something long term, nope. It doesn't mean anything. Um, to defend this a little bit, um, when you have grief and Barry's suffering significant recent grief... And Claire obviously was not doing well when they got Psycho Pirate to help cure her. And apparently, you know, it didn't help too much because she's still, you know, weak-minded or whatever. Um, These are two people who are not thinking clearly. And so I, yes, what they're saying and doing doesn't make too much sense. But it also doesn't make too much sense because they're, they're in grief and they are literally going crazy. Like, it... I'm I'm willing to excuse faulty reasoning when you have an excuse to be reasoning faulty, I guess. And and yes, that rings false, but it, depending on where they go with the story, I I can forgive it if 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 they acknowledge that yes, it was it was their grief that's making them, you know, say these stupid things. And I think that would make some sense, except for the fact that in Batman number 24, and then in um, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, the manslaughter arc, Gotham Girl was still sad about her brother, but she was she wasn't making grandiose speeches about how she's going to be the best hero ever by killing tons of civilians. Like, this is a level of psychotic insanity that we never saw from her, even when she was deepest in the power of grief and um, Psycho Pirate's influence. That's true. This- yeah, I think that's one thing I really disliked very much about this was 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 not being was the off panel land of of her 
fall into this crazy. Absolutely. The off-panel land disconnect between what we saw last and what we're seeing now is what's really gotten me frustrated. Okay, so my second question is, this is set in the middle of Heroes in Crisis. Um, I don't think it's going to relate to the end of Heroes in Crisis because we still have four issues to go in Heroes in Crisis and they don't want to reveal the ending of that series with four months left to go. So, um, Flash asks if Gotham Girl was at Sanctuary, and I think it's clear that she probably was, but I don't think there's any way that we're going to find out that Gotham Girl was the killer at Sanctuary, um, just because I don't think they're going to reveal that four months before the series ends. So what do you think the outcome for Gotham Girl is going to be in this Price Cough uh, crossover? What, how do you think Williamson is going to end this story for her specifically? Um, I think she's going to be taken out. Uh, I mean, like, I can't honestly think of how this character gets redeemed. I mean, the fact that it's hinted here that she's working alongside Bane, even though we've already seen her alongside Bane in Batman number 50, I don't think there's any redeeming of the of the character at this point, which seems odd because it just feels like, what was the point of creating this character and then letting the story last as long as it did for it to end like this, and obviously that's that's a that's a guess. We don't know exactly how it's going to end, but it's just one of those things where, like, I, I'm I'm honestly contemplating what the point of this character was. And I complained about this before about I, I, this was a while back, but I want to say it was like New York Comic Con of last year. Tom King had an interview that he did where he specifically talked about. Gotham Girl and people were asking him about Gotham Girl and his response were like, oh, well, we're going to get back to her and have every intention of getting back to that character and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt like, why is it that stuff has to sit out there for such a long period of time? I understand you've got a hundred issue plan or you've got at least an idea of how you're going to get to a hundred issues. But when you have a character story that starts in the very beginning, like the first issue, and then you have a story that's, you know, a story arc that's supposed to be leading to the resolution or the healing of that character, which was I Am Suicide. And then you go into everything else that has nothing to do with that character, and that character's just forgotten. It comes off as so many of those things that Scott Snyder did that I've complained about, where his name is attached to projects, but he's not actually on because he came up with the ideas in his own series. You know, like Cordovals turned, you know, we got Talon from that. Duke Thomas spun out of stuff that Scott Snyder was doing. Like, it just doesn't feel like there's a purpose for these characters other than these were characters that somebody who had an idea came up with and now they have no intention of going, you know, uh, taking the ball and running with it. So they're going to pass it off to somebody else. And that's what this comes across as. If this story was in tr- was truly meant to be a story dealing with Gotham Girl, and that was the entire intent, why is it that Tom King's not telling this story? He's the one who also has said that Gotham Girl was an important character to his story because if she wasn't an important character, he wouldn't have named the the, the name of Gotham Girl. Claire wouldn't be named. He wouldn't have used his daughter's name or something like that. It just comes across as like. He didn't know how to finish the story. He gave it to uh, Williamson and said, here's what we're doing. I thought the initial intent before it was retitled The Price was that this was supposed to be like them dealing with a cold case 
that like it was solicited as Batman and Flash were dealing with a cold case that they were unable to solve while reeling from the events of the sanctuary, you know, all the, the, the horrible events that happened at the sanctuary. That's what it was solicited as. This is a story of Gotham Girl, which I'm not saying I don't want to, you know, get some resolution to the Gotham Girl story, but what what exactly is happening? How did this change from it was a story about a cold case? This Gotham Girl thing is not a cold case. This is a thing that we just stopped talking about for an extended amount of time, and now it's just come back up. There's no cold case here. Do you think that they're going to kill Gotham Girl off in this story? If they if they don't, and somehow she lives, I would be pissed. Really? And I'm saying that not because I want the character to die, but because what is the point of bringing this character back if at the end of the story she somehow gets... You know, she comes back from the the edge, and they are able to try to re- rehabilitate her. Didn't we already do that once? I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Let's get somewhere else. Like now, she's basically become her brother, which is what she didn't, which she said she never wanted to become. But now she's basically a replica of what her brother was before her brother ultimately died. And like, well, okay, so what? If she doesn't die, she goes right back to, okay, I've I've learned my ways and I'm going to become good. But then when are we going to see this character again? Just kill her off. I'm sorry, and I hate to say it, but I at this point, just get rid of her. And I'm saying this, and, 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 and this is coming from the person who despises Harper Rowe and Duke Thomas, and I never said kill those characters off, but this character, then now what they're doing to the character makes even less sense, and there's no redemption factor. If you want to redeem it, it's already happened, they've already done it, don't do the same thing again. There's no progression then with the character, there's just regression, and then it makes the entire... Honestly, this story is already making the entire I Am Suicide story mm-hmm. pointless. What was the point of going there and screwing with Bane and getting Psycho Pirate's mask to help Claire if this is what she ultimately becomes? It's pointless. I will. I would be lying if I said I wasn't quite shocked when I got to the end of Batman. I was like, what? <laughs> Crazy Gotham girl? That's what this is? Um, it was... A little disappointing to start. Um, yeah, I, I have to agree with a lot of stuff that, that Dustin is saying, but, you know, sometimes in real life stuff stuff is pointless, and we make wrong decisions, and we do wrong things, and so if Gotham Girl doesn't die, or isn't killed off, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are things in life that we do, you know, that, that do end up being pointless, and it would make that pointless but is that necessarily i mean it's a bad thing but for a story is that maybe what tom king wants and it is hard to tell because is this tom king's story or is this john williams gosh john williams is this williams's story josh Josh williams is this is this his story like did did how much input did tom king have in this story um because if he just said you know go nuts with Gotham Girl and he maybe misunderstood. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it really depends on, on what Tom King's input in this story was and where he wanted it to go, I guess. But it's just so disappointing. 
Yeah, I, I, I wanted this to be an interesting exploration of Gotham Girl and Batman and Flash's relationship, but it, I feel like it's created more frustration and mm-hmm. confusion than it's been a good story. And I think that particular Guillaume March in the first issue has done a really good job on art, like is really moody and atmospheric and creepy. And I thought that was really good. Um, it's probably the best thing I've seen from March for quite a while. Um, since, uh, Gotham city sirens, I haven't really liked his stuff in like Catwoman and stuff since then, but I loved his stuff in Gotham city sirens. And I think this is really good too. I didn't really like Rafa Sandoval as much in the flash. Um, but I just, I look at this story and I think I didn't even think about what Dustin said about this is completely different than the solicitations. That's absolutely right. Um, now we know the reason they're doing this is because Tom King wrote a television pilot. And, um, so he had to take a month off from writing. So Josh Williamson stepped in into this and he said on Twitter that he's worked very closely with Williamson in terms of plotting it out, which means that, Williamson's working with King's blessing for what he does with Gotham Girl. I really hope they don't kill Claire off just because if Claire dies, I want Tom King to be the one to write that story um, because this is not a story. If Claire dies this way, it's just going to cement what Dustin says. She's going to be a completely pointless character because she went out in a pointless way. So even if it makes this crossover pointless, I want her to not die so that Tom King can do something better with her. Because I know he he had plans for her. Um, but I can, I can see her, you know, going out like her brother. I just think that's so stupid. But, you know, coming again from the enemy world, no one is unredeemable. <laughs> she could come back. But again, that does, it's third time's a charm, second time's a charm. I don't know. It's, it does feel like there would be a lot of wasted story if, if she comes back, and it feels like it's even more wasted story if she dies. She's a loser. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of no win either way. I mean, it almost feels exactly like the button, and it's kicking the can down the road for another thing. Either that or it's going to be a completely unsatisfying story that destroys a previous story. I'm just... Uh, I don't want to... I, I, I understand, Dustin, now. I don't want to be this <laughs> negative about Batman, but I just... I don't see much I can be positive about because this story frustrates me so much. I did appreciate that they tried mm. to deal with some of the emotion stuff that they don't seem to be dealing with in, in Tom King stuff, but it's just such a shame that it's not Tom King writing the emotions of the I guess he's not really, he's not writing Flash, but, you know, he's not emoting Batman when he's the one torturing Batman <laughs> with his, with his story. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, like, I, I'm interested to see yeah. where it goes, but I, I honestly have very low expectations at this point. All right. Okay. So, how do we want to rate this? All right. So, I'm going to give this a total of. Uh, and keep in mind, we are just rank, we're just rating the Batman issue, not the Flash issue or the story as a whole. But just the Batman issue, I'm going to give two out of five. Yeah, two, two out of five. Sounds good. The Batman issue I actually liked a bit better, so I gave it a three out of five. 
All right. So that is going to give the Batman issue a total of two out of five batterings. Let's move into our other in-depth review, which is Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 998, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Doug Mankey. Looking into Hugo Strange's eyes, Batman demands to know what he is up to. The last time Batman saw Strange was during the Night of the Monster Men. Knowing Strange is able to create artificial life, it must have been him who had created the creature who killed Leslie Tompkins. Strange confesses he knows nothing of what Batman is accusing him of. In the middle of this interrogation, Alfred calls Batman and alerts that Jason Blood is looking for him. Batman leaves, telling Strange he is coming for him after he wraps up this monster business. Batman also tells Alfred to get the Hellbat suit ready. Bruce knows why Jason Blood, the human half of the demon named Etrigan, is on this monster's list. After his training with Zatara, Bruce went to Blood to learn about fear and intimidation. Since criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot, he wanted to be able to instill fear in criminals. The Bat Plane drops off the Hellbat suit at his location. Batman gets this suit ready for use, recalling its main purpose. He knows he is just flesh and blood. So to fight large-scale threats, he created this armor. This only true limit of this armor is himself. This suit feeds off his life force. If he stays in it too long, it might eventually kill him. Once he is situated in the suit, Batman goes in to help Etrigan, only seeing him try to fight a green monster. This monster asks why he would place his life in danger for this demon of hell. Batman states the man bound to Etrigan is a friend of his. This monster threatens Batman by saying he will drag his soul to hell if he stands in its way. Batman lunges at the monster and tells him he's not afraid of hell. Etrigan is ensnared by the monster's tentacles, and Batman plans to blast the monster to set him free. Before this happens, the monster punches Batman and grabs onto him, hoping to breach Batman's armor. This monster tells Batman there are they are both brothers. They both spread fear, but just in their distinct ways. As this suit is breached, uh, Batman uses the Devastator Protocol to channel the last amount of power into his fist to punch the monster into oblivion. Etrigan is freed of this thing and he turns back into his mortal self. Batman tells Blood that although he cannot explain it, it feels like the monster was a part of himself. Blood confirms this creature is a physical manifest- manifestation of the fear he has created over the years. Blood mentions intimidation causes him to lose a tiny part of himself. Batman admits that he has never thought of it that way, but it is a necessary evil. Batman looks down and finds one of his prototype grappling guns. He tells Blood he needs to be somewhere immediately. Blood uses a magical relic to teleport him away. Batman meets with Dr. Silas Stone and tells him that he is in danger. Dr. Stone asks Batman if he needs saving, and Batman admits not at the current moment. Stone follows up and asks why Batman is saving why is Batman saving him f- what is Batman saving him from? Batman tells him something has been trying to kill everyone who has been a teacher slash mentor to him in his life. Anyone who helped Batman become better is in his in is in it this being's crosshairs. In his youth, Batman came to Stone to help him improve his gadgets and technical mastery, with one gadget being 
is with one gadget being his prototype, the grappling gun. In order to become the best, Batman had to combine science with his fist. Stone shoots Batman with his original grappling gun, and he asks Batman what he fears. Batman tells him not being Batman scares him. As the simulation ends, a child Bruce sitting in a sitting at the back computer tells him they always knew wearing the cape and cowl requires them to wage war on themselves. Okay, um, I like Ta- Tomasi, I really do, but I, I, I. Okay, here's the thing. I, I, I'm going to start with this. Okay, I don't mind Etrigan. I don't mind him in small doses or anything like that. And I also don't mind the fact that they're explaining why this, you know, why whatever it is that's after Batman is going after Etrigan because he, or Jason Blood was again one of the people that Batman saw. Silas Stone, again, one of the people Batman saw when he was younger that it led him to become Batman. I don't have necessarily a problem with the fact that they keep introducing these people. The fact of the matter is, it seems like there is this... It feels like we're sprinting. And we're sprinting towards this issue number 1000, and everything is getting crammed in here because it needs to happen. I don't understand the necessity of of including Stone. I don't understand the exchange between Stone and Batman about why Stone is asking Batman about fear and what makes Batman scared. I don't know why Batman would even be answering those questions to somebody like Stone. I don't I don't understand it. I was slightly lost in this because I thought to myself, everything was making sense up until the Stone thing. Why did Stone shoot him with the grapple gun? Why did he answer those questions? Why did we end the issue with this presumably a child Bruce sitting in the back cowl at the back computer that looks so out of place? Like, what the heck is going on? Like, I don't know if we're meant to be confused as what's going on, but I was super confused. And I don't really understand how why this issue ended the way it did, but the way it ended just made me feel like they were rushing. We're rushing really badly to get to a certain point, and obviously it's because issue 1000 is is you know is revealing something. Issue 999 is also supposed to have Arkham Knight appear, but then, or I think I can't remember if it's one way or the other, but I feel like Arkham Knight was on the cover of 999, but maybe I'm misthinking. But ultimately, I just I I got done with this issue. I was slightly lost, slightly confused, and kind of pissed about how much is being crammed in these issues. I have no problem with issues telling a massive amount of story in in a single issue, but this just feels like multiple issues now have had Batman dealing with not just one threat, but two threats, or dealing with two different threats in different areas. So, for example, we had the the attack on Henry Ducard, but then we also had the attack on his samurai as well. Or his sensei as well. Then we had, um, Thaddeus. yeah, Thaddeus in the last issue. But like, and then that was also in that same issue. Like there was three of them. And then last issue was like somehow all spread out. And Thaddeus was like the main focus for that issue. Here we are back to two different people in, in the same issue. I just don't understand why so much is happening. And the only thing I can think of, and I, I mentioned this on on our Discord when the issue came out, was that it feels like 
Tomasi had a story planned. It was meant to take place over maybe 10 issues leading up to 1000. And then something happened or something took place, whether in real world or DC's offices or something that required Tomasi to not start the book as soon as he did. And the 10 issue story that he was leading up to 1000 with somehow got condensed into just 994 through 999 and then obviously into 1000 and then so forth and so on. But it feels like there's so much stuff that's shoved in here. Like, could Ducard have been an entire issue? Yes. Did Thaddeus need to be an entire issue? Uh, probably not, since we've never even known that Batman had anything to do with that character up until the reveal that he was he dealt with the character. Um, should we have gotten Etrigan in a full issue? Uh, probably not, but there could have been more to it. Uh, I would have loved for more issue dealing with like the gadget side of things and his technology that he uses. Why is it that Silas Stone, of all people, is the person that, that Bruce went to? I guess it's because they're trying to make it Silas Stone into this. He's an amazing gadget person because obviously he made Cyborg. Um, yeah, I mean, like to be honest, I was not thrilled with this issue. And I don't have a lot of questions, but I mean, what did you guys think of the issue? I mean, do you feel like we're going off the rails here? Or do you feel like... We're just a speeding train, and it, we got to get to the station before time is up. I think you're absolutely right in terms of your questions about pacing. And we were going back and forth on Discord, and I was saying, why didn't they just have James Robinson do a three-issue arc and then Tomasi get three of his issues so we could have a, a much better way to space out? Like, you may or may not care about Thaddeus, Mr. Miracle, the first Mr. Miracle, but... That's probably my favorite issue of the thing so far, just because it's like a good Batman story. You know, he's- yeah, it's a good Batman story, and it's also a good story, like showcasing those skills that he would have dealt with from that person. Exactly, but the issue before Thaddeus, and then this issue, they cram basically three different things in both of those issues, and those. I think it would have been better if they expanded it out. Now, the other problem I had with this issue is, I think the Hellbat armor is a nice idea. Um, and it's nice to see it come back, but Batman always talks about how this uses my life force and I have to be careful, but there's never any consequences. He never comes out of it and dies. And I'm just like, if you're going to make something that has consequences, you got to show the consequences or you have to make it less serious. Like you can say, if I get a good night's sleep afterward, I'll be okay. Like, He's just constantly talking about, oh man, I've got to go past 100%. i got to go and do all this stuff with the Hellbat armor. And then at the end, he just steps out of the Hellbat armor and it's like, I'm Batman, I'm fine, whatever. Yeah, the Hellbat armor was a little weird because, what was it, like 95% chance of cardiac arrest and then he was fine. I think that's one thing I'm liking about Tom King's run over this is is there are sort of consequences for his actions. <laughs> And he is kind of being worn down, whereas this, he's just like, no, I'm good. I, I didn't get a heart attack. I wasn't that 5%. Um, it's very hushish in its, like, cramming of people in the issue. Only so many of these issues need to have be explained why they're in there. <laughs> um, so that takes up space. And I think one of the reasons, you know, the Thaddeus story is so much better is that that was one of the issues that didn't have three or four different people crammed into it. 
you know, it took its time telling that story. Um, and he was putting so many people in here that have no purpose. Like, Strange, he just ended up having a nice little step chat with Strange. And that came to nothing. Uh, Arkham, he went and had exactly a nice chat like with all of them. Nothing came up on Arkham. Yeah. And, it's exactly. like, and that's fine if you can afford to tell that story, but right now it's like, no, Batman needs to be a little smarter. He needs to actually do some detectiving and not just go big people up. Um, like, find, like going to see Silas was the one thing that kind of made sense and that it was explained was he found a device that shouldn't have been there that Silas developed. So it's like, okay, well, let's go. So obviously this monster thing wants me to go see Silas. I was a little confused by the end, but I chalked it up to... <laughs> My favorite trope, this whole thing was a hallucination. None of this actually happened. And Silas was kind of just the end of the hallucination. And Bruce is maybe kind of figuring it out. Or he's starting to wake up so he's not making sense in what he does. And then I guess the thing that makes at least sense is what he's waking up to, which is the baby bat there. Which kind of reminded me of Damien in The New 52 when he was first into, or his origin story whatever where he's the little baby wearing the <laughs> the Batman yeah, outfit he's wearing Batman's cowl yeah um and as you guys were, were talking about what's because what's next 9999 nine, 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 well 999 nine, nine, upside down is 666 and Damien is Batman in six in Batman 666 right and maybe Future Damien is the Arkham Knight. That was my only. Thought. I mean, that fits with my alternate universe theory. <laughs> it does, right? Or maybe he came in a time machine or something. But that's that's as far as I got with theorizing and understanding the end. <laughs> but maybe it being upside down means it's. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> it's upside down. They come from the upside down. It's going to be a Stranger Things crossover. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, like, all I can hope at this point, and I really, really hope this is the case, but I really hope that once we get to 1000, Arkham Knight appears, whatever the direction is that they're going with Detective Comics, I really hope that it doesn't feel as rushed. And I'm hoping that the rushness is just because we're trying to get to 1000 and it's not something that's going to continue on. I do find it odd because if the entire intent was to have it be a longer story arc, we knew that they were coming on the book for a really long time. And Doug Mankey clearly had plenty of time because he's doing all of the issues leading up to 1000 plus the number 1000. So the thing is like they had lots of leeway and the only thing I can think of is that the story maybe was originally meant for more issues, and then Tomasi was like, well, Mankey's going to do the art, but we want him to do all the art up to 1,000, and then Editorial was like, okay, we're going to plug in this random Robinson story here, and we'll give you some leeway so you've got a couple extra months to, to you know, so that everything can get taken care of. That's literally the only thing I can, like, the logical explanation behind it. Because some of this stuff, like, the Leslie Tompkins issue, it wasn't bad. But, again, the first issue had that, like, weird 
I'm investigating this murder that was staged inside of an aquarium. But then they never came back to that. And then they deal with Leslie at the end of the issue and Leslie at the beginning of the next issue. But then, like, there's the stuff with Alfred. Like, there's so many things that have happened that it just feels like they're neglecting or forgetting or not paying attention to. And I don't understand why they're doing it. I don't I don't get it. Well, that's one of the things like that makes between... me think that it is a hallucination because so many things just don't make sense and don't add up. And all these amalgamation creatures of... Because of, that's kind of the only thing that really came out of this was was every creature he's met has been some monster of his own. Not necessarily his own making, but has reflected him somehow, whether it was his anger or or his family or whatever. Like so what if this is some sort of so so just bear with me for a second. What if this is some sort of like the the idea is that it's a simulation because of the way stone disappears at the very end of the story and then obviously we've got this bat baby or bat Bruce or whatever you want to call that last page. But what if the entire story is some sort of like hallucination or Batman's hooked up to something and this is what he's he's experiencing and Leslie didn't actually die Alfred wasn't actually attacked Ducard's not actually dead because we were talking about this before about how Leslie died but it felt very sudden and why did we kill her Ducard while I don't think that he's uh, he's not nearly as prominent he's not at all prominent as prominent as Leslie he died very abruptly what if everything we've seen since Tomasi took over was is is all fake, and none of it's real, and now what's going to happen is the Arkham Knight has somehow infected Batman's mind, kind of like something like the Scarecrow or what we saw with Zurin R or a million other stories that have Batman affected by outside things. What if it if that's what happens? I mean. Would you be pissed if everything we've seen for six issues turns out to be a ruse? It better be a really, really good payoff to not get angry, I think. Like, Arkham Knight better be something really shocking to excuse <laughs> what, how many issues of, of hallucinations and crying over Leslie and getting your hopes up about Dame. I don't know, like... It better be a good payoff if it does end up being an hallucination. I mean, I try not to talk too much about Detective because I feel like <laughs> I have too many biases. And it definitely wouldn't improve your your view of Tomasi. I yes, I have I have my biases about Tomasi, but I want. I don't want Detective to be a bad book. I don't want to read bad stories. And I just feel like we got a good story last time. And I was, I feel like I was excited about it. And I'm more excited now seeing like this story is so bad. Like there are good stories here. It's a fun Batman, but this was bad. And I don't see how this can go in a way that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, wait and see for now for me, but, uh... I was very disappointed by this issue. So, Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of two and a half. Three. I like Etrigan. I like Silas. It, I'm, I was more 
curious and at least I was almost a little relieved that the whole thing might be a hallucination. <laughs> um, so yeah, three, three for me. Uh, two out of five for me. And over on the site, Tony gave it two and a half, so it's going to give Detective Comics a total of two and a half out of five batarangs. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, February 6th, Main TV Books, where we talked about Batman 64. Harley Quinn, number 58. Harley is Batman's would-be partner as together they try to solve the riddle of the corpse, which appears to implicate her for murder. So by David, he gave it three and a half out of five, and we give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I really like this because it reminded me of Heroes in Crisis, where Harley's under suspicion, but it's it's <laughs> fun. And the cover is The Dark Knight Returns with Harley as Robin. I just, this gave me smiles. And I did not expect that ending. I was actually pretty star- shocked by the ending. It was awesome. All right. So <laughs> no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books, Adventures of the Super Sons number 7. While stranded on an alien prison planet, Robin quickly adapts and becomes the unofficial Batman of Gotham through intimidation and fear. So by Bill, he gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs down, but really good art. Like the way he draws John and Damien is is great. Deathstroke number 40. Deathstroke escapes Arkham in a shower of blood. Despite Ian, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up. I can't wait for the crossover. (laughs) Justice League number 17 with Martian dragons surrounding him and a gun pointed to his head. Martian Manhunter shares a memory with Lex Luthor. This is by Corbin. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I read it this week, and I give it a thumbs up because I followed it. I understood what was going on. I read it, and I gave it a thumbs down. I hate (gasps) retroactive revelation about villains. Young Justice number two scattered around a world that's on the brink of political unrest, the hesitantly formed Young Justice team starts stumbling upon their missing members. She by Jessica, she gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral, but just because I don't know where it's going. Thumbs up. It's fun. No secondary DC Universe books. Moving over to February 13th. Main TBU books, where he talked about Detective Comics, The Batman Who Laughs, number three, Bruce seeks the help of a reformed psychopath only to learn that he must become one as well. So by Tony, he gave it four and a half out of five, and gives this one a thumbs up. I don't know. Neutral, but that's because I don't like it, but I don't think I'm supposed to, so maybe a thumbs up? <laughs> thumbs down. I, I was really disappointed because I actually was very impressed by issue two because I had this thematic depth and was like using metaphors and stuff. This one had some of those things, but it was a lot more incoherent. And I'm just tired of Scott Snyder ending with these ridiculously horrific cliffhangers that he just buys yeah. back in the next episode. Red Hood Outlaw number 31, Jason faces off against the Solitary. With the help of a few other heroes, Red Hood is able to defeat the Solitary and finally put Roy to rest. This is by Bill. He gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral trending up. 
same. Neutral trending album. I didn't know who any of the characters were that were introduced. <laughs> I'd look them all up. I'm giving this a neutral trending down for the same reason because I feel like there's a lot of great character interactions you could have. Like um, Bunker referenced uh, how Tim vouched for Jason back in Teen Titans. I thought that was a great character note, but that's like the only thing he does in the whole issue. So I, I think it's wasted potential. It could have been good, but there's it's sort of like Detective, actually. There's too much going on, and he's not giving each piece the attention it needs. Mm. No secondary TV books. Main DCNverse books. We already talked about The Flash, number 64. Um, but Ian did give that two and a half out of five. And I would give that issue a thumbs down. Thumbs down, I think. I mean, yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> and then secondary DC Universe books, Just League Dark, number eight, which as as I, I, this is the first time around, but we are no longer in-depth reviewing that anymore either uh man Bat continues to be part of the team while Ragman and solomon grunny both make a cameo at the oblivion bar superman number eight all man appears alongside the crime syndicate at the end of the issue wonder twins number one as the wonder twins are introduced into the dc universe batman appears alongside the just league finally tbu trades and hardcovers over the past two weeks include the blackest night saga dc essential edition trade paperback uh, Batman the Cape Crusader Volume 2 Trade Paperback, Titans Volume 5 The Spark Trade Paperback, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay Trade Paperback, and DC The New Frontier New Edition Trade Paperback, which we also have a review over on the site if you are unfamiliar with that story. DC The New Frontier, we have a review as part of TBU Collected, so be sure to check those out. Now, before I move on to some other things because we do have some listener questions and uh, a couple of quick discussion points. Um, I want to quickly thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you for to all of our Patreon supporters who are currently supporting us at levels, all, all the different tiers that we have. Uh, I want to take a special moment to s- say thank you to our supporters at the $10 or up levels, which include Robert, Donald, Stephanie... Brendan, Ian, Anthony, Arturo, Irwin, Captain America, Brian, Jay Dutton, Real No Deuces, as well as, as I mentioned, all the other people that are supporting at the lower levels as well. Thank you greatly for your support. We greatly appreciate your support and helping TBU function from month to month. Um, in addition to that, we... Um, we are. If you are listening to this and you are a patron, you have probably noticed that we are behind on getting stuff out. I promise you, we will eventually get caught up. I've got stuff planned. I'm actually probably going to start recording some solo stuff, um, stuff that I personally want to rant about that nobody else wants to rant about, so I'm just going to rant to a microphone and then you guys can listen um so there's that but then uh we have other things that we're hopefully going to be putting together soon uh we're working on a variety of other things um but if you are unable to support us through patreon and you have skills that you would like to share with us whether they be writing for the site uh, we are currently looking for news writers we're currently looking for writers of comics comic book reviewers and we're looking for original content creators so anything that is unique and different that has to do with the batman universe whether it be editorials or um research type projects like uh not they're not necessarily editorials but like a look at characters or 
ideas within the Batman universe. Those are all really good things that create great content for TBU to you know, share with fans and things like that. So if you have any of those skills, you're a video editor, a website designer, graphic designer, any of those skills whatsoever, please get in touch with us. Um, we are always looking for people to help support TBU, whether it be monetarily through Patreon or supporting us with a one-time donation through PayPal or buying merch and we get proceeds from those or anything else, but especially if you have those skills, because a lot of what you see on TBU stems from people volunteering their time. We all volunteer our time, and the more people that help, the more we can do, and the more we can share our love for Batman with other Bat fans around the world, and then grow even larger. So, that all being said, if you are in... You have any ideas that you'd like to share with TBU, or you have any ideas of how TBU could be better, or you have any skills, you can get in touch with me at TBU at thebatmanuniverse.net, and I will get in touch with you um, as soon as I possibly can. So that being said, we're going to jump over to our listener question. two questions this time around one of them is 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 part of one of my discussion points um so we're going to start off with uh the first comment from paul via email paul says as always thanks for the all the great reviews and the show i'm a little confused by the sequence of issues released in trade for batman and wondered if you could shed some light on the issue Uh The Cold Days Trade, Volume 8, ends with Issues 56, meaning that two issues of the KGB storyline are in it. The new Trade, Volume 9, will run from Issues 57 to 62, which includes the final issues of the KGB storyline, the Penguin issues, and two issues of Nightmares. Would it not have made more sense to have ended the Cold Days Trade, Volume 8, with the Robin single issue 54, and then had the KGB Beast issues and Penguin issues together, thus creating a more cohesive Volume 9. Then the Nightmares issues could have been together for Volume 10. Just wondered if you could shed any light on the matter. I don't know if DC simply ships the trades regardless, but your thoughts and insights would be great. Keep up the great work with show and thanks. So, um, the easiest way to explain this is that I believe the main reason why there's two issues of Nightmares that are included or that that hypothetically would be included is that the that they won't be the nightmares will probably all be together um if you listen to Ian's review of Batman you'll know that this Batman Flash crossover is supposed to take place in the midst of what did they say 50 after 58 Ian? 57 I think um because 58 is the start of Tyrant Wing, and 57 is the end of uh, Beast of Burden. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's supposed to take place after 57. So my I my thought is that maybe, although I don't know why 57 is, is split up, but I would imagine that the Flash-Batman crossover is going to be collected as a single story. It'll be shorter than normal, but that would come out and technically be volume... Nine, 
but maybe it includes 57 just for the sake of it being five issues instead of just four. And then, but the, see, that doesn't make any sense either. Maybe, and I can't see them including 57, 58, 59, 60. I think there might be a mistake here because and I've looked at the Cold Days trade and it does include the entire Beast of Burden arc. They don't leave off the last issue. So I think this might be like a solicitation error. Because that would make sense too, because it would be one through or fifty one through fifty seven. Of course. I'm yeah, I'm looking at the Tyrant Wing trade, which is solicited for next month. It says um, so the Tyrant Wing collects Batman fifty eight through sixty. Batman Annual Number 3, and the Batman Secret Files story. Um, I wonder if it collects all of it, because that would actually be a full trade, because you get the three issues by Tom King, you get the Annual, which is oversized, so that's four issues, and then you get the Secret Files, which is five issues, and that was also oversized. So, three normal issues plus two oversized issues. That's a pretty good trade length. So I think that is just that you were looking at um, an incorrect solicitation, and I think they are going to do Nightmares as Batman Volume 10, and it's going to be 61 to 63, and then 66 to 69. Okay, I guess, but then the question is, where do you fit in the Batman? Oh, that's going to be its own um, trade, like the button was. Well, yeah, but if it it is its own trade, the issue... (laughs) The issue that I, I, I imagine is, is is that going to be volume 10 or is that going to be volume uh, well, 11? The button, the button wasn't volume, right? in the volumes, was it? So, yeah. It wasn't? So no. I think this will just also be not in the volumes. I mean, here, let me check the deluxe editions because the deluxe oh, editions are actually interesting in that. Um, did the deluxe editions include the button? Yeah, the deluxe editions included the button issues, but not the flash issues. So if they keep going with deluxe editions, they'll probably... So if you want just Batman all the way through, get the deluxe editions. If you want to get the trades as they come out, then you'll have to get an additional The Price trade paperback that's not going to be numbered with the other Batman trades. Yeah. Okay, so to, to wrap this question up and just reiterate everything Ian said volume 8 cold days which released on December 19th that included Batman number 51 through 57 that's what it states on DC's website volume 9 which releases on March 20th will include Batman 58 through 60 plus Batman annual number 3 plus Batman secret files number 1 so that collects the entire thing Nightmares, which will most likely be volume 10, will include 60 or not 61, 62, 63, right? So Nightmares is 61 to 63, and then 66 to 69, because 64 and 65 are the price. Yeah. Right. 61, 62, 63. And then 64, 65 will be the Flash crossover, which will be its own collection. And then it'll also include 65 through 69. So that one will probably be a little bit oversized compared to it, compared to other ones. But, you know, that doesn't ultimately matter 
necessarily. They don't have a specific set page count that they must have for the for that. So hopefully that answers that question. More or less, depending how much exactly, exactly. So hopefully that makes sense, Paul. And I'm not sure (coughs) where you saw that it was cutting off 57, but according to the trades. Uh, solicitation that DC has on their site, the the cold days one goes up through fifty seven. So that's that. Um, <clears throat> the next question comes from ACN via Discord, and he brings up a comment that was actually going to be a discussion point for for uh, this episode. And he specifically is asking about a current rumor making the rounds online about DC drastically reducing the number of comics that they publish per month. Now, to be clear, um, if you are a member of our Discord and you have been paying attention, I posted the article. The article originated from Bleeding Cool. Um, Bleeding Cool has posted a number of scoops in the past, but also they have been proven wrong on things as well. So you can't take everything they say as complete 100% factual information. So I have to preface that with the, this this discussion point with the, with that remark is that although this was this is a rumor that's out there and is a rumor that other people have been discussing this is not something that is confirmed or is based on anything except for this single article at this point. So that being said, there is a rumor out there that DC who is currently on average producing between 50 and 54 comic books per month on a normal standard month. They're publishing that many books. Now that is currently including all of the superhero DC comic books. It's including all the imprint books. It's also including all the Vertigo books um, that they are currently publishing. Now over the past five years that number has weirdly changed because during the new 52 they had 52 comic books that were all based around superheroes that's what they had but at during the new 52 there was much significantly less vertigo stuff there wasn't all the other imprint stuff that we've been seeing over the last couple years um, and it's fluctuated back and forth they canceled some stuff and they replaced it with other things but generally speaking it's been around 52 issues on average for a long time, at least 10 years. Um, now, I've been saying on the podcast over the past couple of months while we've been going over solicitations that it seems as if comics in general for the Batman universe, at least, have been significantly less than normal. Part of that has to do with there's less series but then there's also initially there was less series with Rebirth than there was during the New Fifty Two, but part of that got made up by the fact that there was issues that were double shipping. Now, outside of Batman and Detective, nothing's double shipping, and they're not replacing those books that they either stopped double shipping or the other series that they've canceled that were Batman books with other Batman universe type books, meaning. They got rid of Birds of Prey, but there is no other book to replace Birds of Prey. Nightwing and Harley Quinn were double shipping. They're no longer double shipping. So there's a significant less books. Some of it was made up by the fact of there was, there was more miniseries for a little while. Now there's very little. I mean, we've, we've got actually uh, in February, I think they're all wrapping up except for The Batman Who Laughs. 
And the only other one that we know of coming soon is we just got announced the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is coming in May. There's tons of other series that are out there that we don't have release dates for yet, but none of them are coming at this point. But at the same time, there's just there's just less books. It's just that's how it is right now is that there, there are significantly less books than before. That's already happening. And part of that is DC is still producing 52 books on average, but there are Vertigo books coming out every single month. There are imprint books like the Jinx World stuff, which is like five books, three or five books. I don't remember exactly how many, but it's, I think, up to five books per month is what that imprint's producing. There's there's other stuff that has come up that has been releasing as well. So the, the, the whole thing is... I want to make sure I, I point out the flaws in the original article because there's a lot of people who are talking about it, but they're saying a specific number, but they're only focusing on a certain aspect of it. There's about 52 books right now, but only 40 of them are directly related to DC superhero comic books. Some of them are related to DC superheroes, but they are not part of main continuity. There's 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 like... There's already less than people are thinking. I think people are thinking, oh, so the number that's out there is that DC is supposedly going to cut down their publishing number to 22 comic books per month. Now, the article goes into full detail to say that the 22 books would be superhero-specific books. They also say that you have no idea whether or not that would still include double-shipping books, but the only books that are still double-shipping, to my knowledge, are Batman and Detective. Action and Superman, I don't think, are double-shipping anymore. Wonder Woman and Justice League are both double shipping. Oh yeah, Wonder Woman and Justice League, yeah, and and, it, and Flash. Oh yeah, Flash because it's got the same numbers as Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's not that many left, but if you got rid of the double shipping of those titles, there's that's like five less books right there, and. The number of twenty-two that is quoted in the article specifically states that that number does not—that is only superhero books. It's not including the Vertigo. It's not including the other imprint books. It's not including DC Zoom or DC Inc. It's just including the superhero books. Now, that's not to say that that number is not including the DC Black Label or the Wonder Comics imprint, or like the, the, now it's non-existent, but they had the Young Animal imprint. It's not to say that those imprints aren't part of that 22 because we don't know for sure, even though they include DC superheroes. Wonder Comics by itself is like five books or will be, what, four books, I think. So like there's four. Black Label has its own stuff that comes out on its own, that will be coming out on its own schedule. And then you've got the Jinx World stuff, Vertigo, you average Vertigo five books, Jinx World five, and you add... You get rid of the double shipping books, and honestly, there's not. It's not like they're reducing that many, but it is significantly less. The issue is, it's still like 18 books we're losing, if it's true. And I still am really skeptical of this. The thing is, I, I'm skeptical too because I feel like maybe they will lower their numbers, but I feel like that is too big of a number to drop. The issue is, I mean, they're already lowering numbers. We see them just not doing new stuff. They're just gradually letting things go. Yeah. And some of the things that they are doing that are new are not necessarily considered new. For example, 
They've rolled out the Walmart Giants. They had four of them. Now there's six of them. And then there's also, not that this is this comes into play because it's not monthly, but there was a Target Giant that came out as well. The thing is, because they're doing these Giants, that is, even though they're not necessarily producing, even though they're not producing as much new content for those Giants, they're selling because they expanded the line from four to six. So clearly they're selling well enough for them to do that. But the other part of it is that that is still six books that they are producing that in some ways potentially could be taking the spot of another book because they're selling for more money than a normal comic book, even though it's less original new content. So there's that to take in consideration too, which I'm not saying the idea of what they're doing at Walmart or with the Target Giant. I'm not saying these giants are the wave of the future and the new wave part of the speculation out there is well they're seeing how the market with walmart and 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 potentially with target is doing and they're saying well we can make this work better and they're going to cut out the main distribution with with uh diamond and the and the local comic shops and that's why they're going to lower the numbers well if that was true could you really say that's a bad thing because if they're produce if they're selling a comic book for five is it it's 4.99 right Four ninety nine, four ninety eight depends on the store. Yeah, so so let's just say five dollars. If you're selling a comic for five dollars, but only twelve of the pages in the book are actually new content, and the rest is just reprinted from previous. Sure, you're having to pay royalties on. Maybe you have to pay royalties on some of that other stuff that's in the book, but they're they're producing a comic and selling it for more money. And I'm sure Walmart gets a, a good cut of that five bucks too, because otherwise what's the incentive for them to sell it? But because it's just like a comic shop, a comic shop gets, you know, they get a cut of whatever the, the cover price is too. But if Walmart is selling a book for $5 and they, even if DC is, is giving Walmart a third of the, the price of the book, if they're giving a comic shop a third of a three ninety nine book, but they're having to produce twice as almost twice as much content for that book clearly the walmart deal is making them more money and maybe that is why they're they're leaning in that direction i'm not saying that's going to happen i honestly believe that they should be putting a much larger focus on the digital market because that's that's my opinion which we we've talked about that before so i don't want to get too much into that but the idea of 22 books i mean what do you guys think of DC potentially only publishing that many if it ends up being true. Well, it sounds like they're experimenting with their business models, which is smart because, you know, the industry is changing, the world is changing, how we read is changing. Um, and it sounds like they experimented with digital first, and it looks like, for, you know, without them telling us anything other than no more digitals, you know, that, that market probably wasn't what they wanted. Um, and now they're tapping into grocery store or not grocery stores but you know mass mass stores like target and walmart and maybe they're just focusing their efforts on on those things and like you say you're, they're backing up on their on their comic book stores which is a little a little sad especially when like you were saying some of it's just reprint it seems like they don't have to pull back as much on the comic book store stuff but yeah, it definitely looks like they're trying to evolve their business model, which you really have to do, because <laughs> there's only so much you can blame millennials for break, you know, destroying industries of before you. you know. Um, 
before you have to explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a real problem. I think that DC is right to stop trying to win the direct market or local comic book stores because Marvel refuses to stop publishing a ridiculous number of comics. And unless DC is willing to pump out comics on the same numbers of titles that Marvel is, they're never going to win the direct market because DC pays their team um, more. That's fairly common knowledge in fandom in the industry that if you are an artist or writer, you generally get paid a bit more for working at DC than at Marvel, which means that DC can't publish as many books because they're paying people more. So DC needs to focus in its direct market on really getting high selling titles. So they don't have a bunch of low selling titles. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they figured out quite how to do that. Um, they still have a bunch of titles that are selling close, you know, between ten and 20,000, which is really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as much as I hate to say it, because some of the titles that are selling that low are titles that I like. Um, Deathstroke has gotten itself out of that area with the Batman crossover, but I'm pretty sure it's going to fall low again. Batgirl, I think, is also out of that danger zone, but it's, it's still falling. I think Red Hood and the Outlaws is pretty pretty low. Nightwing's pretty low. Um, So a lot of the titles that we're talking about needing to leave are titles that I like or titles that I don't want to leave. Um, But I think that the idea of cutting the low selling titles and trying to really boost the numbers on the high titles is a good one. I just don't know if you're actually going to see a boost on the high titling. Because, I mean... Speaking as a niche character fan, I mean, everyone knows I'm a Stephanie Brown fan. I buy books with Stephanie Brown in them. If you don't have a book that doesn't have Stephanie Brown in them, that doesn't mean I'm just going to buy Nightwing or buy Barbara Gordon Batgirl titles. Like, it's not transferable. Fans of uh, of smaller characters aren't just going to buy bigger selling characters because you're not selling the smaller characters. I think DC would actually do better if they published more anthology-type things or backup things that included these smaller characters. Like, for example, if Detective Comics had, like, uh, you know, Stephanie, Cass, and Tim as a backup feature for just, like, four to eight pages every issue, I'd be buying Detective right now. But they don't. It's just, you know, the main Batman title. So I think if they could figure out a way to do that... um, that would be a way to shore up the higher selling titles to get some of the people who buy low selling titles to buy the big titles. So like combination titles, I think are the way to go. I think the idea of just slashing the line is not going to work because they're not increasing sales of the big titles while they're getting rid of the sales of the low titles. That's just not going to help them long term. I agree. There's no, I don't like getting rid of the number of comics they're producing is not going to help them unless they're just trying to worry about the bottom line if that's literally the only thing that they're trying to worry about is just trying to get to a point where they're making you know they're they're selling more profitable dropping the number of books doesn't seem very likely the other issue is that there are a number of writers and artists who are currently signed to exclusives with dc and there are part of their contracts is that they're required to put out a certain number of books. And if you have a significantly less number of books that you can produce or that you're publishing, you can't honor those contracts then. And then that work that 
you promised people that you signed, suddenly you can't do. Or you're getting a massive amount of stuff from very specific creators who are exclusive, while the other creators don't have a chance to really do anything. And then it also limits... Cough, Bendis, cough. I mean, like, Bendis is producing an enormous amount of content right now, and he is one of the more recent exclusive people that have signed with DC, so you could expect that if this does happen, we're still going to see all this Bendis stuff, but we are not going to be seeing anything, you know, any of the other stuff. So, the thing is... I I feel like and in I was talking about this with my wife. You you in the mark in 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 today's world in today's market we're constantly hearing about how comic book stores are closing. There's you know there's no there's no real business for comic books. You can't open a comic book store because it's very difficult to maintain it because of how the entire system is built. And you know what? I've heard it for years. I've been a part of the fandom in depth to know that kind of stuff for over 10 years now i've been running this site for 11 years now and the thing is like you hear this stuff and even though i'm not directly related to you know dealing with owning a comic book shop or you talking to retailers you hear stuff throughout the industry just because the chatter is always there and the thing is the industry is not in a good place it's just not and DC, if they want to play around and try to figure out ways of making money elsewhere or figuring out a longevity plan for their company, then I'm not going to fault them for doing it because their goal as a company is to make sure that they have they can make money doing what they're doing. Just like any other big company out there. You look at you look at any other retail situation where you have a company producing content or producing a product and getting it to somebody to sell to the consumer and the comic book industry is so ridiculously backwards because if I was a corporation, let's say just like Kraft and I was making cheese and I needed my cheese to get to a customer... I, as Kraft, am not going to sell my cheese directly to the customer. I have to go through stores. So I go to grocery stores. I go to, you know, big box stores like retailers like Walmart or Target. I have to go places where my product can be sold and I have to sell my product. I have to get those, those, those retailers and those, those businesses to carry my product. That's what my concern is. DC is looking, or the comic book industry for the longest time has concerned itself with, we need to concentrate on these smaller comic shops that, as has been shown over the last decade, have not been doing very well, have been going out of business, and them going out of business directly relates to the number of books that they can sell because they are stuck into selling the books at these stores. I'm not trying to say that the comic book shops should all close shop, but they also need to adapt too. This industry is a industry that will, in 25 years, not necessarily be existent if the industry doesn't adapt. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't adapt, there won't be comic book shops. We've heard for years how Walmart and Target and Best Buy and all the big box retailers out there have been putting mom and pop shops out of business for years. We've heard that for years, it's pro- it's probably the one thing that anybody and everybody will talk about since like 2000 onward. But guess what? Those big box retailers are now in jeopardy themselves because they're competing with 
online situations like Amazon and retailers who are doing the online pickup. And you just, if you watch the Super Bowl, which none of us did because we we're all recording the Comic Cast last episode, <laughs> but if you watch the Super Bowl, you saw there was a Walmart ad during the Super Bowl advertising that you can order your groceries online and then pick them up in store. Well, there's a reason why you can do that, and it's because they're trying to make sure that they have something directly to compete with other online businesses. You need groceries. Groceries is one of the few things that you need to actually go physically get. You can some some of them have delivery service, but it can be super expensive. So these retailers are trying to figure out ways of getting you to keep using their stores so that they don't go out of business. The it's just like in the early two thousands how companies who made the jump to start selling stuff online and started putting a lot more focus into their websites. They ultimately succeeded while others, other companies like Sears, who didn't do a lot with their website, focused on their catalog for way too long, ended up being a company that ended up going out of business because they didn't adapt. Toys R Us, to a degree, was like that too. Their website for years was super, super unaccessible. The shipping was extremely high to, to ship products, anything you wanted to order. And then they finally got around to updating it and making sure their items were available. But it was too late. People had already gone to Amazon and started buying their stuff through Amazon because they could. And at that point, Amazon was getting the volume so they could give better discounts than Toys R Us can. This is the way the, the retail situation is working. DC has to figure out some way of selling these comic books. They have to figure out a way of getting new a new audience or continuing the audience that they have. They cannot rely solely on the comic shops, but that's how the entire industry is propped up on. It's propped up on comic book shops that are very reliant on the publishers and what they publish, but if the stuff that they publish isn't super high selling, then guess what? The comic book shops are suffering, and then they end up going out of business. So... And if they go out of business, that area that that comic book shop provides comics to, those people might not be buying comics anymore because they're not super accessible anymore. Can you buy them online? Yes. Can you get them digitally? Yes. But that doesn't mean you will. You might just mean you stop getting it. You know, if I had cable and I was watching a show on cable and suddenly I decided, you know what, I... Or, you know, here's a better situation. I, I, I subscribe to a streaming service for a specific show. They cancel that show. Am I going to still subscribe to the streaming service? Probably not because they don't have the show that I want. Now, if they have other content that I want, maybe I will. But it doesn't, it just doesn't work. Today's world is, is so set on the here and now. It's not about what's going to come what 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 they want now like if i it's the same thing with like uh i i know i'm ranting i apologize to my my host because they're just randomly listening to me rant for five minutes straight about everything that i've been thinking about for a long time but the thing is it's just it's upsetting because i keep hearing this talk about how retailers are pissed and they could be really pissed because dc's changing their business plan and the thing is like they have to understand that even though they're super reliant on DC, maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe they shouldn't be reliant on any one publisher or a group of publishers. Maybe they should figure out ways of adapting their stores to accommodate other things. Like, I've heard of people complaining about how their local comic shop is mostly a place where people come to play games or, like, you know, like role playing games or miniature games and things like that. And sure, they have a pull list, but it's not very good. And the comic list, 
you know, the comic, uh, the, the back catalog of comics is non-existent. And the thing is, those comic shops are there. They're able to get you your comics. That's a plus. There are people who can't get comics because there's no comic book shop around them because they've gone out of business because they couldn't and didn't figure out how to adapt. And that's the thing. I just, I want the industry to adapt. And if DC is going to be somehow the pioneer that does it, I don't necessarily agree with getting, you know, dropping the book countdown to 22. But if DC is is trying all these different things because they're really making, they're trying to make sure that the longevity of comic book publishing is existent for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years, then I'm all for them trying stuff. And I'm not going to sit here and fault a company for trying to figure out how to build an audience or adapt their, what they're doing to make sure that they are still a company that is profitable so that the large corporation that's above them doesn't say, you know what, we're not going to do this. And the thing is, Marvel gets a lot of uh, a lack of flack because they produce so much content, but Disney, their parent company, has actually off-shipped uh, Disney actual properties over to other publishing companies because the other publishing companies can produce comics at a lower rate and not cost nearly as much and not worry about the sales. Marvel is very focused on the sales, so the stuff that they publish has to sell well because that's what it is. There's a reason why Marvel's not publishing any uh, you know, Disney characters type stuff and how they were publishing a bunch of other stuff that now is slowly being pushed off onto other companies. Anyway, rant over. I'm sorry. Well, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and your rant had a lot of good points. In fact, when I was saying, you know, companies need to change their business models, otherwise they're going to go under. I was, I was thinking about Sears. I was thinking about Toys R Us. Like those are two companies that, you know, didn't keep up. And I think this is DC trying something and they may fail. And it, like I said, it sounds like the digital didn't really work out, but they're trying something. And that's, and that's important. Like you have to keep yourself afloat in this wildly changing world of ours. And so, yeah, I don't really have much more to add. Um, I think what you said is absolutely right. I'm worried about the future because I don't think you can sustain the kind of Batman fandom or DC fandom that you have with, um, with Walmart distribution. Uh, just because it's not predictable and you can't... The fandom's going to change, and that's going to happen no matter what they do with the market. I just... I'm not sure where we'll be in two years if the direct market crashes. Well, anyway... Viewer, uh, listeners, I apologize for ranting as much as I did. Um, as I said, these are things that I keep thinking about that I unfortunately don't have very many people to talk about them with. So uh, if you are supporting us on Patreon, expect some of these things to be talked about in the very near future because, like I said, we're going to get some solo rants going here and uh, it could get crazy. So if you're interested, support on Patreon right now. Anyway, that being said, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I want to remind you to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. As you're listening to this, there are new episodes of Bat Books for Beginners, which is their last episode featured uh, Batman Robin, Batman Reborn. Uh, there's also new episodes of Bat Fans, Back to Oracle. Uh, and also, while you're listening to this, we have a brand 
brand new podcast that uh, is is making its debut just the day before you're listening to this. Um, this epi- this show is called Batman Books: The Dark Knight in Prose. It's focusing on books, specifically not comic books, but actual prose books that deal with batman and the batman universe characters um we so that book that that podcast is available on the site and available everywhere else that all of our other podcasts are offered um there's five episodes immediately because that podcast we recruited from outside and they are just hitting the ground running with five immediate episodes right away so that being said check out that podcast also be sure to check out everything else we have to offer there's comic reviews every single week Monday, Thursday, and Friday. There's new editorials and articles and original content all over the site all the time. And Toy Fair is underway as we're recording this, so there will be all kinds of merchandise news for the foreseeable future as well. So with that being said, be sure to check out all that stuff. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. Also be sure to... Uh, Leave comments on this episode if you'd like to hear your comments or questions talked about on the last episode. If you can leave your comments over on the site, on Discord, email, uh, Twitter, just make sure you tag us so that we can find the question. I will make sure that we get those questions talked about on the next episode. That being said, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Steph. And this is Ian. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.